We have all the generations here at Bendigo Baptist Church, and we never want to take that for granted. Uh, and uh, so I celebrate and I give thanks to God for what He's doing in and through the life of this place as well. You know, for a number of years, uh, I've had a bit of a thing on my bucket list where uh, I wanted to uh, do a bit of a hike through the Alpines, the Victorian Alpines, and hike the Razorback Ridge from Mount Hotham to Mount Feathertop. Who knows what I'm talking about with the Razorback Ridge? All right. Who has no clue what I'm talking about? Well, there's a number of hands, and maybe uh, online, maybe you know uh, what I'm talking about. But from Mount Hotham to Mount Feathertop, and in the distance on that picture, you can see Mount Feathertop far off with snow on the very top of it. It's about a 22k round hike that takes you several hours to accomplish. You can do it in a day or you can meander your way, you can camp along the way as well too, but in fairness, anybody who's relatively fit can do this walk in several hours, start first thing in the morning and you'll get back by the end of the day. Well, on a couple of months ago, a friend of mine and I, was, I was talking about this and he said, oh, I'd like to do that with you as well too. I said, you know what, why don't we book it in? So last Thursday, we left here and we we drove up to Mount Hotham. We camped. That was one of the views that you could see, kind of looking out across the Razorback Ridge, and we were incredibly excited about it. Well, uh, we settled in for the night into our swags, a great campfire, just, uh, just celebrating being in the high country there together, swapping stories, having a wonderful time. As we pulled into our swags that night, there was just the noise of some pitter-patter rain hitting on the canvas. And I turned to my mate, or I yelled out to him in his swag, I said, mate, don't worry about it. My bomb weather app on my phone tells me it's not a problem at all. We might only get one or two mil of rain, but that won't stop us. Next, tomorrow morning, we'll be fine. Well, the next morning, quite unexpectedly, I woke up. Uh, we'd had about 15 mil of rain. At that point, my mate's scrambling out of his swag because our swags are sitting in water and visibility looked just like this. That was me looking from my swag, same place, looking back over the Razorback Ridge towards Mount Feathertop, realizing in that moment, you know what? It's gone. It's done. It's dusted. I'm not walking the ridge line today. I told my wife, I said, honey, you know what? If we get up there and something goes pear-shaped, I will always be safe. So with that ringing in the back of my mind, we packed up our swags. We came back down the mountain. Uh, we did stop at Harrietville. We got a coffee there, which wasn't that flash. But in the course of uh, stopping there, I did say to the guy, I said, there's another way back up this mountain, isn't there? He goes, yeah, well, it's right behind us. So uh, we proceeded, because it was not raining at that point in time, to walk our way up the hardest part from the bottom all the way to the top. We didn't get to Mount Feathertop. We stopped at Federation Hut and said, you know what? We can't see anything. And we're going back down the mountain. Can I just say today I'm feeling a little exhausted. Uh, over at Eagle Hawk this morning, it was everything within me as I stood up. I said, God, you know what? You're going to need to give me strength this morning because I cannot do this in my own strength today. You know, unexpected. Things happen unexpectedly in all of our lives, don't they? I've still got to go back and walk along the ridge line at some point because I really want to do that. But that's what unexpected things they and all, we'd all have stories here in this room and online today of unexpected circumstances, things that are unforeseen, things that are unanticipated in our lives. That's why they're unexpected. You know what? That's just part of life. And you know, it was part of the story of Jonah as well too. You know, we're not told much of the back end story to Jonah apart the fact that we knew he was a prophet, 
But at some point, God comes to Jonah and a little unexpectedly asks him to go and do something. It was God's call on his life. Now, if you were with us last week, you were watching online, uh, Donna kind of opened this series, this new series. We started on the unexpected uh, work of God in our lives. And, uh, you know, there's so much in this as we work our way through it, as we dig and, and pull away. And a lot of it is about how God works unexpectedly in our lives in different times. Well, that's what it was for Jonah. And if you've got a Bible, I want to just kind of recap for just a moment about this unexpected call because it sets us up for where we're going today. But in Jonah chapter 1, this is how the call came. Maybe you're hearing the story for the first time, and this is going to help you as well too. But in Jonah chapter 1, we're told that God suddenly turned up in the life of this Hebrew with these words. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to this great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. I mean, just think, if that was how God's speaking to you, I want you to wander into Axdale and just tell the people there just how wicked they are. You know, this is kind of, you know, how it might go. He says in verse 3, But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving, not for Nineveh, but for Tarshish. Now, what do we know about Tarshish? Well, I can tell you right now, it's in the exact opposite direction to Nineveh. They weren't just separated by a few miles. Uh, if I can go with the next image, Donna was showing us last week that these, they were in the exact opposite direction. I mean, this place was far removed. It wasn't just a 22-kilometer round trip, but it was completely separated from Nineveh. Jonah's got this call of God upon his life. And what has he done? He has dug in his heels. He's paid some money. He's found a ship going a different direction and said, brilliant, this is really good. And he runs from God thinking, you know what? I've outwitted God. But you know what? As the story unfolds, we realize that he hadn't outwitted God at all. And God continues to pursue him. Now, it's easy at this part of the story for us to think, you know what? What in the world was Jonah thinking? I mean, really? I mean, we wouldn't do anything like that. Or maybe we would. The reality is I think uh, all of us probably have a little bit of Jonah in us at certain times. And it, uh, you know, God, we know God wants us to do something or we read his word. And, and as we think about what that might mean, we know that obedience is the, the process of transformation in our lives. And we think, I don't want to respond to that. That's, that's going to encroach upon my lifestyle. Uh, or, uh, you know, it's, we get this sense of FOMO. FOMO stands for fear of missing out. We think if I go and follow God's call, if I do what God wants me to do in this situation, there is every chance I might miss out on something better or something else that's going on because I'm over here and, and, and God's doing that, but I want to be over here. And so what do we do? We, we, we just don't do it because there's the fear of missing out. Or, or sometimes it's simply because we're incredibly selfish. And I've been like that before. You know, uh, we, we know that God's given us a mission as followers of Jesus. He's called us to be disciples that make disciples, that will make other disciples and, and followers of Jesus. And so as we kind of mix and move about, we kind of rub shoulders with people and we come up against people who we think, you know what, they wouldn't be interested in that. Ah, oh, No, they definitely wouldn't be interested in hearing about Jesus. So oh, I'm not going to say anything to them. And so we either think that 
they won't respond or they're too far from God's grace and so we just don't follow through with what we know God wants us to do. You see, uh, unfortunately, I think there's a little bit of Jonah in us all at different times in our lives and we're not that far removed. Well, well Jonah thinks that he's outwitted God. He's gone in the exact opposite direction, but God wasn't done with him yet. And what's God do? He sends a violent storm to get his attention. And did it work? Well, no, not at all. In fact, he demonstrates his incredible stubbornness at this moment where he says to the sailors, do you know what? I would rather die than actually see this boat turn around and go back to uh, where we'd come from so I could go to Nineveh. So this is what you can throw me overboard. Now, it's interesting. These pagan sailors, these hardened sailors, who would have worshipped a number of pagan deities at this point in time, you'd expect that they would have just thought, yeah, you beauty, you're gone, buddy, and throw him overboard. But they don't. And in fact, they show more grace and mercy towards one person than what Jonah did to tens of thousands of people. And we're told that they try and, and, and head this boat back into the shore. They're doing everything they possibly can. But it's only when they realize that there is nothing that they can do and this storm is unrelenting and they are in fear of their lives that they pray. Not to their pagan deities, but we're told they cried out to God, to Jonah's God, to the Hebrew gods. And they said this in verse 14. Don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death, O Lord. You have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. And it's only after they have prayed that, that only after they have sought the mercy of God upon their lives, that they pick up Jonah and maybe somewhat reluctantly they throw him overboard. And what happens next in this story is really quite remarkable. We are told that immediately, just like this, the storm stopped. You know, it wasn't a storm like last night, or maybe we've had this week, or over the last few weeks, a bit of thunder and lightning. I mean, we are talking about a storm of mammoth proportions that God has just thrown upon that body of water to get Jonah's attention. And the minute these sailors throw Jonah overboard, this storm is stopped just like that. Wow. Well, what happened to this unrepentant prophet who's probably thinking, you know what, well, at least I'm not going to Nineveh. You know, what happens? Did he kind of bob around in the water for a few days with his emergency vest on, waiting for someone to pick him up with his flashing light? Well, well, no, that certainly doesn't happen. Uh, what was kind of going on in Jonah's world at this point? Well, we're told that God unexpectedly, uh, showing great mercy at this point in time, he, the chapter closes by telling us that the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. I mean, how wild is that? You know, uh, we often think that this story is about the fish, the giant fish, a whale, whatever it might be. And so all of our focus is upon the whale, but it's not really the whale. This story is about the, the character of God and what's going on behind the scenes and all of this. And, and as we look at Jonah and hold him up against our own lives, it gives us pause for reflection. Well, how did Jonah respond? You and I can't even fathom what it would be like to be in the belly of a giant fish. I mean, really, 
it's disgusting to think about, but, but you know, we do have some sense of how Jonah responded. Even though we don't know what it was like, we have a sense of how he responded in that moment. And it's kind of captured in this prayerful or remorseful response that works its way out in Jonah chapter 2. Well, let me just read it to you. If you don't have a Bible, it's on the screens. Or maybe you just want to listen to these words of Jonah and somehow put your place, uh, put yourself into this same space as Jonah was right there. Jonah said, I cried out to the Lord in my, great, in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more towards your temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord's. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. See, in that moment, instead of running from God, Jonah suddenly runs to God. What do we make of this story? What do, we make, what do we make of God's unexpected work in the midst of this story in the way in which it was playing out? Well, I, I want to have us note two things. And then when I've shared those two things, I, I want to give us some, 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 maybe some truths in this as well too that we can apply to our lives. But here's the first thing I want us to see. I want us to note, and it's God's dramatic use of circumstances to achieve His purposes. And we see it in the lives of both the sailors and also in the life of Jonah. But let's just start with these sailors first. Hardened pagan sailors. Men who worshipped a multitude of different deities, whatever served them best, that's who they would have worshipped. And these men, they were seasoned. They were used to being out in the ocean waters. It was nothing for them to kind of engage swells or storms that were up and down and buffeted them all night long. But this storm was incredibly different. See, this was a storm unlike any other storm they had ever experienced in their lives. It had been thrown at them by God. It's very clear in this that uh, God was involved in all of this, that, that God had been a part of throwing this storm upon them to get the attention of Jonah. But in the course of all of that, they were kind of caught up in the midst of these circumstances. And just a reminder of how bad the storm was, we are told that they were fearful. That's a considerable statement. And it's in the midst of these circumstances that God used their fears for his own purposes. Not only uh, as Jonah expressed that he was a Hebrew and that he was running away from God and, and that God had, 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 was throwing this storm at him, that they realized what was going on. 
The moment they threw him overboard and this storm stopped, just like that, immediately. Just like in that moment when Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee with his disciples and he's asleep in the bow of the boat and they're so afraid of the storm, he gets up, he, he challenges them and then he speaks to the wind and the waves and it stops just like that. When that happened to these sailors, it got a hold of their attention. They realized that the God of Jonah was incredibly powerful. And in verse 16, we are told these words. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice, and they vowed to serve him. And we're not told in this moment whether they renounced all their other pagan deities and started following Yahweh, the Hebrew God, our gods. But what we are told is that they suddenly realized that the Hebrew God was in control of all of their circumstances and was worthy of their recognition and their praise. And they bowed in worship before him. God at work using circumstances to achieve his own kingdom purposes. But we also see this in the life of Jonah. It's only in the midst of being in the belly of a fish that Jonah suddenly realizes that God has ordained these circumstances, that these watery circumstances are really God's judgment upon him for what he had done, that it's in this space God's got his attention and now he calls back out to God. He acknowledges his sovereignty. He acknowledges that God is a part of all of this. I mean, how long did it take before Jonah realized? Was it the, the moment that he was swallowed by a, a giant fish? <laughs> That'd be my response. Or was it kind of three days after he's kind of floating around with a whole bunch of other stuff in the, in the belly of this giant fish? He's thinking, I am so done with this. And, and he calls out to God. Well, we don't know. But what we do know is that he finally acknowledges that his watery circumstances were from God's. And he recognizes his unexpected judgment and he calls out in verses 6 and 7 of Jonah chapter 2 and says, But you, O Lord my God, you are the one who snatched me away from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. It's in this moment that Jonah has been complete. God's got his attention. He has been humbled. He's been brought to his knees. And now Jonah lifts up his eyes towards the heavens, towards his God's. God at work in and through the circumstances to accomplish his purposes. But what else do we see in the story? I think the other thing we see in this story is the uh, unmerited mercy of God in great, that was graciously given to pagan sailors, but it's also towards this uh, runaway Hebrew. Uh, it's God's unexpected mercy uh, in sending along a fish and not just allowing Jonah to die. And it's what transpires in the midst of all of this as well, too, as, as this dialogue kind of goes on. I mean, is that there is a beautiful statement that sits in this passage that I think we sometimes miss. You see, in Jonah chapter 2, when he finally realized the error of his ways, he cries out to God. Here is his words. He says, in my distress, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. This is the prayer. This is the statement of Jonah. I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. And what happened? And God gave me a whack. No, that's not in the story. I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble and what happened? And he punished me by making my life even more worse? No, that's not it either. Jonah says, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, 
and he answered me. I think there's some of the most beautiful words in this unfolding story of the book of Jonah. God's grace. God's undeserved grace that gets poured out over the life of Jonah. Jonah says, I cried out to God for help and he answered me. You see, I think those are three wonderful words for all of us today. As we think about that, as we think about maybe where we're at, we think about our own lives. At just the right moments, God was waiting for Jonah to respond at just that right moment. Jonah cries out and God answered him. Now, why does God wait in our lives? Now, why doesn't God respond quicker? I think sometimes he's wanting us to to understand the, maybe the, the gravity of the situation or to fully comprehend kind of what's going on in our lives. He's bringing us to this place of, of wanting to acknowledge that He is God and we are not God and, and uh, you know, our lives are, are best operated under His sovereign rule and reign. And for some of us, in the circumstances of life, we get to that place much quicker than what other people do. Some people bow their knees much quicker and they submit their lives to God, where others are much prideful and resistant and, and, and stubborn, a bit like Jonah. So, you know what? I am not going to yield my life. I'm not going to give control over. And God says, you know what? Well, I'll just wait. I'll allow another storm. I'll let that happen. And yet in the midst of this story, at, the, at this point of need of Jonah, what's God do? Even before he cries out, God sends along a fish to swallow him. Jonah probably didn't see it as mercy, but we look back on the story and go, wow, that's a picture of unexpected mercy and grace. Because it gave Jonah some time in the belly of a whale. Just kind of shows you that what God is sometimes doing below the waterline, doesn't it? We can't see it above the waterline, but below the waterline, God's doing something quite amazing. And he was doing it in Jonah's life. And eventually, we're told at the end of this chapter, that God Almighty does something quite unexpected. And it closes with God ordering the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. That's just another picture of God's unexpected mercy and grace. So what do we do with this? Well, I want to share two truths and apply it as I go into our lives. And this is the first truth. I want to remind us today and if we're sitting here in this room or watching online as well too, that God often, God sometimes, however you might want to couch that, God sometimes uses unexpected circumstances in life to get our attention, to humble us, and to bring us back to Him. He sends storms to pagan sailors and whales or giant fish to runaway Hebrews what God does. And I think as we, we ponder that, we ought to remind ourselves that such events like this, they prove to us, they show to us the ultimate value that God places upon each of our lives about being in right relationship with Him. That's what God's doing. God loves His creation. He wants to be in relationship with each and every one of us. And so whether he sends it or whether he allows it, God often is in the midst of the circumstances allowing different things because it's about us being in right relationship with him. 
And while God, in one sense, you could say, is bringing judgment on Jonah, you could say also in another sense that he isn't, he isn't paying him back, but rather he is bringing him back to him. God knew what it was going to do to... God knew what he had to do to get Jonah's attention. And so he allows or even ordains Jonah's suffering to show him the error of his ways in order to bring him back to him. So what's that mean? Well, it's maybe possible today for some of us, as we sit here in this room, as we watch online, that we've got all kinds of circumstances flowing around in our lives. Things that maybe we have brought upon ourselves and other circumstances that just kind of come upon us because of the rub of living in this broken world. And I think that's important to note. Not every bad thing that happens to us has come or been allowed into our lives by God. Sometimes uh, good things happen to, sorry, bad things happen to good people. That, that's the reality of life at times. But God's Word also tells me that in all things, God works together for good. For those who love Him and have been called according to His, God, His good purposes. And so as we sit here today in this room, there is that truth that reminds us that God is at work in all things. God, God is at work behind the scenes. God is endeavoring to get our attention through uh, the different circumstances that are floating around in our lives because He's got His purposes in all of that. He's wanting to get our attention. And in some situations, He is wanting to humble us and He's wanting to bring us to our knees. And so for those of us, as we sit here today, you know, same for me as well. If you find yourself in the midst of a storm right now, maybe the question to start asking is, well, well instead of running from God, run to Him and ask Him, God, would you show me what it is? God, what, what is it you're wanting to show me, reveal to me in the midst of this storm, in the midst of these tough circumstances, in the midst of this mess that I might find myself in? God, what are you trying to say? What is it that maybe about me that you're, you, you, is there something in me that you, you're wanting to highlight? Is there, a, is there an area of growth that you're wanting to kind of grow and mature me in? God, what is it that you are doing in the midst of all of that? But there's a second truth that I think we want to grasp in this as well. And it's the truth that says, that reminds us that God is willing He's not just able, God is able, but God is willing to grant us His unexpected mercy. To share it upon the lives of all those who realize the error of their ways. Are willing to repent of their sin and, and turn back to Him. That's what God demonstrates through Jonah. He shows us that He hears our cries and He is willing and able to deliver us from our past and even our current mistakes. And that's a story that's reiterated over and over throughout the Scriptures. You know, from the, the very beginning of Genesis right through the book of Revelation is really God's big story of Him endeavoring to uh, uh, show humanity that He loves humanity, that He wants to be in relationship with humanity, and He will do whatever it takes to be in relationship with us. God is gracious. He won't allow us to... To, to, to continue to be just simply and, and simply disobedient. God is going to be at work in our lives, but ultimately God wants to, to be in relationship. This morning, we were singing about God's incredible grace and mercy in our lives. We were singing about the way in which God responds to us. 
And so many of us sitting here in this room and maybe watching online today, you have a story of God's work in your life, of His grace and His mercy. We see it in Jonah. You know, we see it in the, in the, in the, in the, in the Gospels, in the New Testament, the story of the prodigal son. This son who said he came to his father and said, Dad, I am done with you. I am done with this family. I want my inheritance. And he leaves and he squanders it in reckless, sinful living. It's only when he gets to the end of himself, when he realizes how much he has stuffed up his life, that he hates himself. He despises who he has become. And he says, you know what? I'd be much better off at least going back to my dad and saying, Dad, I'm sorry. And, and can I just become one of your hired servants? What's the picture that we get of this father's response as he sees his son coming? He runs out of his house and he just showers his son with unexpected mercy and grace. It's a picture of our own heavenly father, of our own God, who is able and willing to shower us with his grace. But it starts with a response that starts with us. You know where else we sit? We see it in the giving of God, in God giving his own son, Jesus. And for God so loved the world, that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. It's a picture of grace. What's that mean for us as we think about God's willingness to shower us with his unexpected mercy and grace? See, just as maybe, just as there could be somebody sitting in here today, or maybe many of us who are thinking, yeah, there are some circumstances floating around in my life that, God, you know what? You're reminding me I need to run back to you. God, teach me, show me what your purposes are in all of this. Grow me through this. I yield my life. Lord, you're in control. The reality is that there could be some of us still sitting here in this room today, or, or maybe we're watching online. And we realize that we're living in the, in the shame of, of past regrets and mistakes. And we can't ever seem to move out of that. We're locked up by that. And you see, this story reminds us that God's grace still flows to broken people. If God would do it for some pagan sightless and for a runaway Hebrew... He's still willing to do it in our lives today. But here's the catch. The catch isn't with God's. The catch is more so with us. You see, we have to be willing to respond. See, Jonah at that moment in the belly of this giant fish could have said, you know what? He could have become even more indignant and stubborn. And said, you know, what? I'm not responding. I, I, I'm not going to call out I'm not going to acknowledge that I need God. In fact, you know what? This is just making me angrier and angrier and I'm just shutting up shop and God, I don't even care about you. See, that's just a reminder that he didn't respond that way, but sometimes, you know what? That's how we respond to God. In our pain and in our hurt, we become even more belligerent and even more stubborn and even more prideful. And instead of running to God and calling out to God, what do we do? We just stand on our dig a bit more. And you know all that happens? We don't hurt God. We only end up hurting ourselves. Because we prolong our distress. We prolong our grief and our pain. We live in our shame. And it spills out to impact 
not only our lives, but a whole bunch of other people around us. Jonah cried out to God. That's what he did. And he said, and he heard me. God listened to me. He heard me. And so I want to say today, if you're here, or if you're listening to this message today, and that in any way is your life, you feel like, you know what, there is so much shame and regret in my life. You know, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus today. And that's where you sit. But you know, you can even be following Jesus still and be feeling like that because you're hanging on to all of that shame and regret. You, you haven't let it go. You, you, haven't, you haven't taken a hold of the fact that, that, that God, when God says, I forgive you, I, I forgive you of all that stuff, of all the muck-ups, of all the stuff that's distressing you in your life, I have forgiven it at the, play, the foot of the cross through my son Jesus Christ. It is gone. Some of us are still hanging on to that. Kind of like it's baggage. It's kind of like we, it's kind of like, uh, not an idol, but it's like, it kind of defines who we are. Maybe for some of us today, it's just the realization, saying, you know what, God has died for that. He has forgiven me of that. And I need to walk in my new identity as a follower of Jesus Christ. I am a son or I'm a daughter of the King. He remembers that no more in my life and I need to let it go. Maybe that's for some of us. Maybe for others of us, you're feeling pretty lost right now. And you're not quite sure what to do. You, you hear the story of Jonah, but you're not even quite sure what the next steps are. Can I say what the next step is? It's to cry out to God. God says to us through the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, He hears us. He rescues us. See, for those who cry out, who acknowledge who Jesus Christ is and their need of a saviour, God comes to them in that moment. And there is nothing in all of creation that can ever separate us from God, from his unexpected mercy and grace in our lives. It is poured out on our lives. And maybe, maybe just somebody, maybe there's somebody here today who needs to reach out and to embrace Jesus Christ as their own Lord and Saviour. You know, this story found in Jonah chapter 2 just smacks of God's unexpected mercy and grace. Poured out upon some sailors, a runaway Hebrew, and it shows us, it reminds us, it points not only to Jesus, but it reminds us of the character of God. He still works in the same way today. Grace and mercy hasn't been shut up. The shop hasn't been shut up. Grace and mercy still flows from God into the lives of broken people. That's the God that we worship today. It's the God that we follow. That's uh, his son, Jesus Christ, who has given it up for us so that we might live and enjoy and walk in this space of unexpected mercy and grace. It's what's been given out to each and every one of us. And so maybe the question for us today is, what's God saying? You know, as our team comes back to the platform this morning and just leads us in one more responsive song, what's God saying to you? Because the Spirit of God will be at work today, and maybe for some of us, He's reminding us, He's pushing back into the things that we're experiencing in life. Can I just say, maybe your response as we sing is to say, God, you know what? I'm choosing to run to you, not from you. And as I run to you, God, would you just continue to do your beautiful work in my life? 
Or if you're here today and you have never embraced Jesus Christ as your own Lord and Savior, there is no greater decision or choice you could ever make than that today. It's a simple, it is a simple decision. It's a decision of not just the head, but the heart that says, God, I want to thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for my sins so that I might be made right with you. And I want to be in relationship with you. I want your help. God, I'm crying out to you right now. Would you forgive me of my sin and come into my life and make my heart your home? It's, it's that simple. You put it in your own words. Is that your response? I'm going to invite us to bow our heads right now. And with our heads about, there's maybe people right here in this room right now that God's Spirit is at work here. And every response is going to be a little bit different. But wherever we might be sitting and watching from today, God, what is it that you're asking me to do? How do you want me to respond to your word today? Is it simply that I'm just in awe, God, of your unexpected mercy and grace that you have just reminded me once again of what that looks like? And that's how you're responding and you can't wait to continue to honor and to worship God's? Maybe it's simply, God, I'm, I'm crying out to you right now. Jonah says to us, I cried out to God in my distress, in my brokenness, and he answered me. Father, I want to pray for everyone right now who is thinking about this. Father, I firmly believe your spirit is at work. In a really powerful way. God, you're such a wonderful God like that. You work in ways that are a mystery. It's often unexpected. It's unanticipated. It's unforeseen. But God, you do it and you work that way because your love for us is so great. So God, in this moment, I pray that your spirit would just be ministering into the lives of, of people right here in this room and those watching online right now, Father, would you be helping them to see what it is, what their next step might be? Whether it's following you for the first time or whether it's continuing on in their journey with you. Father, transform our lives, I pray. Help us to be a little bit more like your son, Jesus. Lord, help us as your sons and your daughters to display unexpected mercy and grace wherever we go because we've been the recipients. We pray that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.